Hi. So today I am excited to be able to introduce to everybody my friend, Robin Domeniconi. She, in addition to being my friend, um, is also an amazing individual. She's an award-winning marketer, strategist, brand builder. She's currently the founder and CEO of a company called Threaded Tales, um, which is a mission-based fashion brand empowering female artisans around the world. I'm, I'm reading that to you, but I'm also, and we'll try to get a photo if you're looking at this on the podcast or on my website, julieram.com. I'm wearing a pair of jeans from Threaded Tales. Um, I will let her explain the whole game behind this, but it is, it's amazing. I get comments on them every time I wear them, and I feel so good because I know I'm doing good while feeling good. So I won't, um, I won't tell anymore. I'll let her tell you later. But before launching Threaded Tales, she was the chief marketing officer at Red, which I think most of us are very aware of. And big branding. I remember it at Gap. I remember it as an iPhone case. Uh, this is a division of one. The campaign and advocacy organization working to end extreme poverty and preventable disease around the world. Prior to Red, she was the CMO for the e-commerce destination Rulala, another one near and dear to my heart, and the chief brand officer for L and L Decor. She oversaw U.S. marketing and advertising for Microsoft, and she also launched the Real Simple magazine. So, you know, I don't know where you went wrong in life to have that little set of credentials but it's pretty crazy so it's and it's I remember the first time that I um, met you we had so many people in common and we'd heard each other's names in fact I was thinking about that when we it was just a couple of years ago again we were supposed to be together on a panel um, in I think St. I think Louis in, or no, New Orleans. New Orleans, that's right. Yeah. In New Orleans, and for some reason you couldn't you couldn't make it. You had something come up. I went and I reached out to you, like, oh my God, we have all these people coming. I can't believe that you know we're we're missing each other again. And so we just made a plan to be here in New York City, and we were going to get together. And it's been as though we've known each other our it's whole true. lives so since true. then. It's so true. So will you share with us a little bit? I love to start with people's childhoods we where are you from you know what yeah, was your yeah. what's your what's your early story my early story it's so it's, it's so it's so funny how we all evolve into the people we are today and like you can never forget where you came from right um but going back to to me meeting you yeah it was like meeting an old soulmate mm -hmm. i had known your name for years and years and years mm -hmm. in the business and when i saw i was going to be on the panel i was excited mm -hmm. too and the biggest disappointment that i couldn't make that panel was not being able to meet you so i'm glad we did that yeah right yeah um, my childhood. So, born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, I did. Yeah, I'm like a redneck from the south. Wait, wow. Ridge, yeah. I um I I have family and friends still there. I left uh, Jacksonville and went to Atlanta and lived there for about ten years. Launched, um, was working with a magazine called Art and Antiques. Came to New York to launch it in New York. And that's where my media, kind of traditional media world, took off with working at Meredith and etc. But um, yeah, I grew up a really kind of um, middle class, wonderful childhood, great. My, my best friends, just my best friend today uh, just left yesterday from, since I was five years old. So like those kinds of connections are just incredible when you grow up in a small town. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, 
Um, what did your parents do? My mother was a stay-at-home mom, and my father was in the men's clothing business. He uh, owned men's clothing stores. He was an arch- he was studying to be an architect when he was in college, and his father was hit by a car oh, when he was in school and killed. And his father owned oh. these men's clothing stores, so my father had to leave being an architect to go run men's clothing. Oh, my clothing. God. I say that because he, um, all his life, I saw a man go through... Um, go through his life depressed because he wasn't doing what he wanted to do. He would, oh. he just, you know, he just he just took over what he was supposed to take over his father's business and he never got out of that. How old was he? Uh I Ish. yeah, in his 20s, late 20s. Wow. Yeah, and did that till the day he died. Yeah. Um oh. but it 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 definitely seeing that has played a role in my life with kind of knowing I don't want to be in areas of my life where I'm not happy and can you change it without getting stuck in a pattern of being, you know, uh, unhappy or or doing what you're supposed to do the shoulds and the musts right I was gonna but I was gonna make the connection with he was a, in fashion and it, you've it, had such uh, a yeah he a was red yeah no thread, pun yeah. of yeah. fashion Good that point. now knowing this backstory I'm yeah. surprised that you weren't turned off from it because it sort of represented yeah, an yeah. anchor versus a yeah for me fashion though is 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 creativity you know, and that's what drives me. Like um, when I was younger, I didn't know this, but um, I struggled in school, and I didn't know why. And my father would always say to me, "You're like you're my smartest child. Why are you making C's?" I was a straight C student, you know. And I was, I just didn't get school. I didn't like it. Years and years and years later, I had my son. My son was struggling in school when he was like in kindergarten, and we got him tested. And he was profoundly dyslexic. Oh. And and when you're diagnosed, they say, "Okay, which parent is dyslexic?" And we're like, "I don't know. I don't know." And we test it. I write backwards. I don't know if you ever see me. I write backwards. I, write, I mean, I, I everything, my patterns in my mind are completely different than anyone else's. And I did not know I was dyslexic until my son was diagnosed. Oh my and God. it was like this light bulb. It's like I, I, I cried my eyes out, not because I was sad that I was diagnosed as just being, because I was like, oh, relief. I was like, oh, my God, that's why. Uh, it was I'm like, not it, stupid. I'm not, I'm not exactly. Rushed. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And it was. Um, that's a holy shit moment. That's a hoshimo oh, if it, I ever heard it, one. It really was. And, and to the fact where I still, you know, my son today remembers a conversation I had with him when, when he was having struggling in school and he failed a test. And one of the questions, uh, and I was trying to explain to him, I don't care about your grades. I never will care about your grades. I care that you try. I said, because what happens is the way that we think being dyslexic is that we have some of the things are you have word retrieval problems. So if he says, Mom, where are my Adidas? Because he couldn't find the word shoe quickly. Mm -hmm. Where are my Adidas? I'm like, they're in your closet. But when you're sitting down to take a test and they said, where do you wear on your feet? And you put down Adidas, you fail. Right. So I try to tell him it's not that you're stupid. It's that you're actually thinking harder and you have to work harder so that when you get older, work becomes so easy because you've multitasked your brain so much to find the words and the stuff that you'll see one day that it serves you to the better. You know, there's 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 a, a plus side to this, even though it's a very painful, hard, difficult thing as you grow up in school in the traditional system. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, and I didn't know that. I mean, I have not seen you right. I've only seen. Yeah, the I'm creativity. looking. Yeah, people can't see this as a pike, but I'm looking at my jeans. Um, she'll explain them, but it's 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 images. It's so you've did, and I'm wondering now, hearing that story. Did you, as a child or even a young adult before you learned about the dyslexia, did you? Did you take that energy and say, you know, words aren't my friend, but pictures are? 100%. It's so funny that you say that. I um, I remember listening um, to John Denver songs when I was young. And I, I say John Denver because his words, he's such a poet. His, his, he's just a really creative writer. And I used to draw to what I felt. 
because I couldn't, like, I, I wasn't a good reader or it took me too long to read. And so I would just draw and draw and draw. And I was in, and here's another aha moment now that we're talking about this. <laughs> I was in college and I was going to get a degree in graphic design. And when I was like in my sophomore year, is that your sophomore year? My junior year. Yeah. Uh, my professor said, you know, I know you love creativity, but you're just not that talented. Oh. In, in, and, and you should find another degree. Wow. If you want to make money. Right. And so I did. I went and I got I, I left that and I went. Were you and, not crushed? Wait a second. Were you I, not? Was, I was totally crushed. And I was working on a. I remember I was working on a sculpture at the time when he said that in class. <sighs> my dad always kept that sculpture in his house because I got a C on it. But my dad thought it was <laughs> so beautiful. Did. And yeah, it's a straight C. Um, but, you know, I, I See, now. students rule the world. I, they really do. Right. <laughs> um, I, I now look at it and I'll think about him saying that to me. Was I crushed? Um, he was right. I wasn't as talented as the other people, in the, and, but I had a different. I had a different take kind on of it. Talent. Yeah, a different mm-hmm. kind of. T- and so I've used it in my career, and I'm, and I, you know, even now, like when I really want to lose myself, when I'm really in the flow, I am creating with my mm-hmm. hands. But none of my success has been from that. My success in business has not been from creating with my hands. It's been from business or marketing or branding and understanding and being able to see different patterns in a way that other people can't. Well, where did you... So he was like, "This you should think of a new degree. So what degree did you... I, I got into journalism. <laughs> Shut up. You went into the words? I went to... Oh, yeah, right, my God. Right? I went into communications and journalism at University of Florida. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, because I figured, you know, that was creative, too, and I could write. I just... Reading is a, is a tough thing for me. Now I love reading, but it's I have to know what kind of books I can read because if they're too... Ten, they're too... In, you know, literary or dense, it takes me too long. It's too much work to concentrate on mm-hmm. it. And in work, one of the reasons I think I, the way dyslexia um, supported me, like for my son, it's like, you know, I see he's he's worked really hard and now he's very creative in what he's doing. But for me, how it helped me was it made me very vulnerable. And like where this vulnerability is now like the in thing, you know, and Brene Brown, I, I was like, oh my God, that was, that's, that's how I felt. I, because I used to say to all the people that I worked with or worked for me. Look, I don't have all the answers. If you put a 10-page document in front of me to read it, it's going to take me too long. I want you to understand my assets, my liability. Here's what I don't know. Here's what I need you to help me with. And then we work out this together. I never was afraid to show what I do and what I don't know Mm because I don't have all the answers. But I always displayed my vulnerability for dyslexia so that it wasn't something I had to hide. Yeah. That's the right. So being able to talk about it. Yeah. So you, okay, so you finish that and you have, you know, the laundry list of the, and you've got such a, an interesting mix of obviously things that are success in a very corporate environment, certainly the Microsoft, um, and that, you know, that makes sense. But you also, your your background is littered with this both entrepreneurial, because I think about, you know, when you started Real Simple, um, even Rue La La, which is mm-hmm. very early stage when you did that, you know, I, how did, and then of course, you kind of made the philanthropy move with, with Red and Threaded Tales. How how did that progress? And what was there, were there any moments in there that yeah. drove you? Um, you know, it's really interesting because um, I, was, I was walking over here today and thinking about sitting down and I've heard some of your podcasts and I know some of your questions and I was like, okay, how am I going to answer that? And, I, I was, <laughs> and one thing popped up to my mind that um, that I think um, it, it was it's a strange thing and I'm almost embarrassed to say it because I can't say it was confidence because I wasn't aware or awoke enough to know that I'm confident in this area. It's kind of like I went through life just 
not questioning whether I could do something or not do something. Of course, if I want to do that, I will do that. And it it, it didn't dawn on me that I couldn't, um, uh, you know, do what I wanted to do or, or, or rise in the ranks at wherever I was working um, until... Um, until it did dawn on me. And when I, I broke at one point in my career, which we'll talk about in a moment, but I, I think um, success from Real Simple and, you know, it was an incredible time. It was so innate to me and the ability to be able to come up with a brand that makes your life easier. And I worked with a bunch of people that we just trusted. And it was just this uh, incredible success. Not that it came out of the gate successful. We had a lot of of difficulties. Work. I remember Martha Stewart called us real stupid, and uh, <laughs> and years later she tried to hire me, and I and and I love her, and I said, yeah, I just want to show you the newspaper article that that came out where you called real simple, real stupid, and you want to hire me. I love this, um, but um, so the success of Real Simple um, was so incredible. But I think what happened is because I. Um, I was so in my flow with what I wanted to do and how we did it and the people I worked with and that from that moment on my career took off so much and this may have happened to you I don't know that success became my greatest failure in a way and that's because I never stopped and said wait is this what I want to be doing it was like job title and money and come mm-hmm. run Microsoft and come do this and and uh, and I never looked for a job they just you know headhunters mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not saying this to brag I'm actually saying it the opposite way that I wasn't awoke enough to say wait a minute you take charge why are you letting someone else right until I woke up one day and I had um, I was at the end. This was at the you know after success of Rue La La and and uh, and Microsoft and L and everything was great. And um, I was actually at Rue La La and I was traveling every week to Boston from New York. And my 11 year relationship was breaking. And um, there were a lot of uh, issues there with uh, me trying to save uh, some very dysfunctional situations. And I was the one that broke. And um, that was after I had, you know, worked and succeeded and been a mother and done it. And all of a sudden, one day I woke up and the successful, confident, I didn't know I was confident, it just came that easily, person started questioning things. And I never questioned. I always used to say, why are you insecure? Just like, act like you know what you're doing and it will happen. You know, I just couldn't understand. Fake pay, it till you make, make it. it. Fake it till you make it. It was just an innate ability for me until one day I started questioning it and then it all crashed. And... Um, yeah, I actually, I, I, re, I quit Rue La La. The relationship ended. I sold a beautiful townhome we had, and I bought a one-way ticket to Bali. And it was the first time in my life that Eat, I ever... pray, love. You just went to the <clears throat> prey. Yeah, I wasn't eating because I was, like, heartbroken from, from, from my relationship. I certainly wasn't loving. I was just like, get, give me all this. And I was just going there to pray and, you know, really kind of to sit still, still for the first time in my life and question, like... What my because it was just like on this roller coaster of success and ease, and I don't mean that in any other way other than time to take stock in my life and figure that out. I totally understand, and I I'm so happy that you're you're sharing this story. Um, we do. There's, I think, um, just adding to it. There's there's a naiveness, especially especially if you are you know now we are women of experience, but you know 20 years ago. There weren't a lot of successful, you know. It was it was more the people. Those were the people that were spoken about because it was the exception versus the rule. Right. And I think that when when it happens, just like you said, you're called. You're sort of the, you know, princess, and things just kind of come when something. Ha- and it, it's different for all of us, you know. When something happens, it, it that naiveness goes fully away, oh and you God. become so aware of 
everything. And it's like the evils. Of, I mean, and, and it's it, it could be the external forces or, to your point, Absolutely. those internal demons. It's But it can be soul-crushing. So it is. It's, it, you know, so I was reading something the other day. It said you, you never learn on the top of a mountain. You only yeah. learn when you're at the bottom of the mountain. So true. And the lessons. And, but, but like, oh, my God, I got so much empathy and compassion for people who are now insecure. I just didn't understand it before. You know, yeah. I didn't understand not being able to make decisions. When yeah. someone described me, it was she's decisive, she's confident, she knows what she wants. Of course. And, and I couldn't even make a decision. It was just like I was just questioning everything. And I think there's something really important about questioning things. Mm. Um, but I also think that you want to gain, you want to kind of, you know, mold it with the ability to be able to, to still feel your gut and the innateness of making decisions and feeling confident about it. So after taking time off in Bali, and, you know, I remember sitting with my, at the time, my boyfriend, and I said, I don't even know passion or joy anymore. I don't know what makes me happy anymore. Like, it, I was always this easily happy. So when I went to Bali, I started, this is going to take us to Threaded Tales, I started just going back to my graphic design, I started drawing things that brought me happiness when I was a child. So my dad was a professional backgammon player. I used to be on the diving team. I love scuba diving. I love my Jeep Wrangler. All the things that bring me joy, I just drew. But the only thing I had to draw on when I was in Bali was a pair of jeans. So oh I gosh. drew all over these pair of jeans just things that made me happy. I was, for the first time in my life, I traveled by myself. I'd never traveled. I'd always been in a relationship. I'm there not knowing what I'm doing. I'm going to meditate every day. I'm doing yoga every day. I'm drawing, trying to figure out what's going to bring me happiness. Who am I now? I was this power couple. I was this founder of these great things. And who am I now? I have nothing. I have no relationship. I have no job. Who am I really? And as I drew, I literally, like, my life, it just sounds so cheesy, but my life and my passions and who I was kind of came back to me. And then I was there for even longer, so I was like, well, now that I've drawn all over it, I want to make these jeans really cool. And I went to the local store in Bali and bought, like, a needle and thread. I've never embroidered a thing in my life. Oh my. And I embroidered the entire pair of jeans with, uh, with my whole life on them. So then you fast forward. Uh, when I came back to New York, I was... So how long were you there? Um, about um, three months, about two and a half months. Well, yeah. And um, so I came back to work at Red when I was there. I, oh, I also didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew it was time to give back. I knew mm -hmm. I wanted to start giving back. And so when I got the call for Red, I was like, God, the universe is really listening to my meditations yeah. because here I was. It was it was creative. It was, you know, working for this incredible organization. It was giving back. It was trying to marketing and branding. And when I came back, I went to an event that um, Bono was being honored mm -hmm. at, and we went there to accept an award for him. I went with the CEO at the time, and um, I wore these jeans that told my entire life story. I remember sitting in the hotel room, am I really going to put these on because, like, they're funky and crazy, mm -hmm. but they also are vulnerable because they're in my life. And I did, and people went crazy. I mean, it was like it started conversation. I connected with people I never would have talked to. They asked me things, and everyone wanted them. I'm like, yeah, it took me like three months to do this. I don't think there's, like, I can't do it for you. But what happened was, as things play out when you're in the flow, I'm on the board of a company called Global Good Partners, and we import fair trade product from artisans around the world. And the next day, I came back, and the, um, these napkins were embroidered. We were at a board meeting, and these napkins were embroidered by these Haitians, and I said, from the artisans, and I said, do they do anything besides napkins? And they said, no. And I said, they've got such a beautiful skill. We need to, like, do some cool things. And so we got a pair of jeans and flew to Haiti. 
and said, can you embroider these? I had drawn the same items on the jeans. And within three weeks, they embroidered these most incredible jeans that tell your life story. And you flash forward today, we have Threaded Tales, which is basically um, you answer 35 questions about mm-hmm. your life. You then um, submit your questions with your favorite article of clothing. And your answers are then um, drawn into designs that represent your life on whether it's your jeans, your leather jacket, your backpack, your boots, whatever you want, sent to Haiti and hand-embroidered. And every item sends a child through one year of school. Yeah, I, which was so when we when we met finally for coffee and yeah. you explained this, I was like, okay, so I'm totally in on this. I absolutely, I've got a pair of jeans. I'm going to send them to you, and I with this the Haitians, you know, and how those things came, came together. I didn't know that backstory about it, but when that happened, was that before or after the the big earthquake? Because I was wondering. Oh, that was that, after. That Way was after, after the earthquake. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's it's a. It's an impoverished country anyway, but it's even more so after. Yeah, and the area that I work in with, um, it's called Haiti Projects. It's in Fond de Blanc, which is four-hour drive from Port-au-Prince. And there's, like, no electricity in a lot of the area. There's no running water. I mean, it is... Um, poverty is like 60 to 80 percent and the education there and so what we do is these artisans open a bank account we have they have to open a bank account and we teach them how to um, to have their money it's 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 a, a community of women and they are incredible artists and, and, and artisans and um, and they do a lot of things besides threaded tales now they do they do other things within Haiti projects but they they all are um, self-sustained now, so they uh, their kids can go to school. They, if they're in a bad situation at home, a lot of them can't leave. Even you know abusive relationships. Now they can leave, and they're and they're supporting themselves and their children. How do you know? I'm putting totally on the spot on these things. Are, do you know how many kids have gone to school as a result? Yeah. Well, see, because it's a part 116. Like there's a lot of kids wow. in libraries. Wow. They built a whole brand new library, but it's not oh. just Threaded Tales because they now do other things. They well, it's they like were a doing cooperative. Exa- it's a cooperative. Exactly. Okay. So. But there's a, a library for after school where the kids can go after school. They get warm meals there. Yeah. Wow. So you've really changed uh, Well, but Haiti Projects has, yeah. 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 With this. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I will tell you, and you warned me when I gave you, you're like, look, you you are going to get stopped everywhere you go. <laughs> My friends beg me not to wear them. They're like, because you can't. You, yes. You, everywhere you go. Yeah. I, how many times have I written you? Like, I have been... I don't know, randomly walking the streets some other place in the country and some somebody will stop me. And I'm like, I'm like, let me put you in touch with them. I know. It's <laughs> crazy. I would say probably 80% of my sales come from that. Word of mouth. And word of mouth and gifts also to children or for things like that. But you cannot... You cannot wear those out if you don't feel like being social. Right. Because you have, I mean, everyone will stop you. It's yeah. crazy. And no, I, everybody. Yeah, everybody. You, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody. And just to your point, I think, um, you know, I do want people to go to Threaded Tales, Threaded, T-A-L-E-S.com if you go. But And I, and I'm, I will get a picture for the site for people to see. But these jeans, when you say these, these women are artists, they took... I don't know how to explain it, but they, you know, when you see my jeans, you'll see, you know, what I can't even remember the questions that were asked, but clearly it's like favorite things, shoes, wine, jewelry. Um, if there's three things in a box that represent you, what would they be? Okay. What's your favorite animal? Yeah. A um, quote, right? There was a yeah, quote. There's a quote. Yeah. I've quote. got a quote and my quote was from Dr. Seuss. But just to give people a sense, it's not as though your pants are filled with embroidered words. I wrote this quote from Dr. Seuss, and then on my jeans is the Dr. Seuss hat. And so, just the interpret, that's the, you know, the interpretations you. were a surprise. Right. I mean, right. that's it's sort of a gift in that you answer. But I don't know what the jeans are going to look like. I don't know how you. 
because you yeah. personally you yeah. interpret the answers yeah. and then Draw. sketched out right yeah. yeah 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 it's kind of like you commission a piece of art and you have no idea but your but the art Trusting. is is based off of your life yeah yeah. And so we tell, and I'm, you know, and even my kids are like, so mom, what was that one again? What was that one again? Yeah, a, yeah. And I get to know people so well. Like I see you, you like to work out. I right. know your favorite flower, your right. dog, your, yeah. I, I, you know, you love fashion. There's a, you oh, know. Kick the can. Yeah, kick the can. Oh my gosh. And when I did your <laughs> jeans, it was so funny because I was like, you have no idea how much your life is like mine. Kick the can. Nobody knows kick the can. I played kick the can growing up. I have a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. Um, I know you're charismatic because I remember doing, you know, like I know uh, weather. Was What was the weather one? Oh my God! If I, oh my God, that's what. So if you could do anything, a weatherman. If you would do something that besides what you're doing, I was like, I'd probably be a meteorologist. A meteorologist, because I'm like a weather geek. Yeah, so stupid, but I am. Like I couldn't turn off the hurricane stuff on Dorian. (laughs) I was like, just you know, and those poor people in the Bahamas. I know, I know. um, No, this is it's fascinating. And then so so talk a little. And so how did this whole? Now I get the whole sense of, I got the fashion thing a little bit. um, The dyslexia. These are amazing. And now this giving back and Threaded Tales is there, but I also know you now well enough to know (laughs) that that's good and that's running and that will continue to run and do all the good things it's doing. But that certainly will not satisfy you, you know, and you're in bug. So what are you what are you thinking about next or what do you how, how do you live your life now as you're in pursuit of the next? Yeah, it's really interesting because someone said to me the other day, um, you know, wow, you did this, you did that. I was like, oh, I'm still in transition. You know, it's it's just I'm I'm really in flow right now of trying to trying to figure out like um, wh- what do I want to do? I mean, this 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 is great, and I want to. It's now sustainable, and they're doing this. And the thread it tells you can go online, you can order it directly. I don't need to be that involved with it anymore. Um, I want to do. I love startups. I'm working on something right now with a good friend of mine, um, but most important thing to me, even when I get calls today, and I'm sure you do too, still, it's like. I don't really care about. I, I do care. I want to make good money, but mm-hmm. it, that's like, it falls down the list because what's so important to me is that I work with people I really, really like that I can trust. The environment that um, that I'm doing something I believe in, and if it's even better if I'm doing something to make the world a better place. And then, yeah, let's see if we can get paid for it. But for me, it's so much more about enjoying the community and the people I'm working with and building something. And it all goes back to when I think about it, like real simple and. I lost that, you know, I, I lost that, that, that thread, that narrative thread of, of really enjoying building something. Um, but it's, it's really important to, to sit back like they, there's that book, The Second Mountain. Have you read mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. it's, um, God, Brooks, Robert Brooks, I think, uh, David Brooks, David Brooks, uh, the New York Times uh, columnist. And it talks about how everyone starts out on the first mountain. It's kind of like, you know, you climb your career, you're doing, and depending on where you are in your life, it could be that you had someone die earlier in your life, so it happens to you earlier. It could be that, you know, for me, it didn't happen until later in life where I got slapped down and realized, oh my God, you basically break at a certain point in your life and you realize the first mountain's really not what it's all about, it's the second mountain. Hmm. And the second mountain is more when we live our life more to who we are and our values and what really is important to our, and our, and our true authentic self. And so I'm constantly, um, you know, making sure that I don't make any decisions right now. Even like, you know, it may be fearful. I'm in New York and what am I going to do and what's next? I, I can't make decisions based out of fear because you end up going back to a place where you're not going to be happy eventually. Right. No. It's hard. It's amazing. And I'm 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 so grateful that you've come on here to share this um, because I think it's important. It's why I wanted to do these podcast episodes because I wanted people to 
see what others see on paper and in publications. And it's this, uh, you know, it's this amazing, if I just read your bio, people would be like, wow, she's clearly, and you are. But I, but where so much of that comes from are these Hoshimos, these things that yeah. happen to you. And, and I think that the, for me, the lesson that I, I take from your story is that if you, if you do these things, if you pursue what's important to you, the, and you've listed Absolutely. what's important to you, Absolutely. the rest will come. Because I think it's hard for people to hear like, well, but I got to pay rent. If you do those things that, you know, tick those boxes of import, what's truly important for you, the money will come. Yeah, it's funny. I was speaking on a panel once, and someone said to me, yeah, I get that you can do Threaded Tales and you can walk away from it all, but not everybody has the money to be able to do it. So, like, didn't you have to make the money first to walk away from it all? And I said, that's a really good question. And for my in my situation, I did. You want to know why? Because I ended up buying the big townhome, and I ended up buying the car, and I ended up starting a lifestyle that I had to then continue. Mm-hmm. But my son doesn't. He says he there's no way he wants to wait for a second mountain. He's starting on the second mountain. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. So he's not building a lifestyle that he can't achieve. He's living his life from his passions. And he start, he's like, I don't want to retire to then, or I don't want to quit something to finally get to what I want to do. I want to do it now. I have fear for him doing that too, because like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, you're doing it backwards, but is he doing it backwards? Or did we do it backwards? Yeah. But it's um, it's true. It's a it's a very scary thing to live. It's a very hard thing to live authentically, and a very scary thing. But there's no greater payoff. And so, when people will tell me, you know, say, "Oh my God, how, I, I, I'm so lost in days." There's some, there's sometimes I'm still in transition. I'm st- I don't have it figured out. And even when I think I have it figured out, you never do because mm-hmm. the universe will show you something else. But um, my mother said, my mother and father have both passed away. But my mother said a quote that I will never forget. Um, and when we launched Real Simple, I remember I started this quote in, in Real Simple because it launched when I was uh, I, I was turning 40. And the quote was, I wish I knew how young I was when I was 40. And that was my mother. And she wasn't a quote. It was something she said to me. So, mm-hmm. And it's true. We're never too old to, to, to start finding what we really want to do. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for being so raw with your story. I think it's I think it'll I think it's really meaningful, certainly Good. for me and Good. hopefully it's, for it's, listeners. It's, yeah, I mean, it's I really appreciate being on here. And wow, the time went really fast. I know it does, right? <laughs> it's it's fun to have it's the conversation. It's great. I know. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>